The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. Any references to actual people are wildly inaccurate. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Roaring Peacock Youth Podcast. This is a special edition. This is going to be uh, with your normal podcast that you get every week from us. This is going to be a special interview with the Yorkshire Evening Post, Joe Urquitt. So uh, I'm your host, Ross. With me, as ever, is Cookie. Hello. Rob's here as well. Good evening, chaps. And our special guest, Joe. Welcome. Good evening. Okay. To ask, by the way, Ross, before we get going, did you research yeah. how to say that surname? Joe, I don't know how you say it, but I get it wrong every time, no matter how hard I fucking try, and I'm sure you hear that all the time. <laughs> Give it a go. I just want to say, like, Urquhart, and it's obviously That's, a, that's actually right, yeah, yeah. Bang. Is it? Yeah, Fucking yeah, yeah. get in. <laughs> You've been practising, I don't like it. I fucking haven't. <laughs> yeah. it's, been, it's been sat in the mirror all day, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Rehearsing. That's what the ring light's out for, to hide the sweat beads from saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, mate, my wife's done my makeup tonight. <laughs> Done a very good right. job. <laughs> uh, let's crack straight in then, Joe. So you cover the you, a, a lot of the under twenty three football stuff uh, for the YUP and also on Twitter, which is great to follow for people that aren't kind of watching the games. If you just follow your tweets, it's it's very helpful. Um, kind of, how did you get into following that side of the the club? Um, so when I joined the Evening Post oh, three three years ago this month, um, there was sort of a gap really in the coverage the, that the paper was doing. Yeah, under 23s so I kind of just put my stuck my hand up when I joined it was part of sort of what I I suppose sold in the interview was was a gap in coverage that I noticed and and yeah so I just thought there was a like you three know and like whoever's listening to this knows there's a starvation for Leeds United um no matter what level of football it is so yeah um yeah basically just spotted the gap really um looked at it and and it was sort of coincided with the time that they we're starting to win under Corbran when I joined. Because um, mm. obviously they'd had the, a real influx the summer before of sort of talent from across Europe because of the way that the squad had been decimated initially. Um, and then they had, you know, people like Sam Dalby who are no longer there but were sort of hitting form in front of goal and, and people like that really. And yeah, so it was a good time for me to join and, and they I think they ended up going on a good good sort of unbeaten run. Ended the season well and like the first team under Heckin. Yeah. <laughs> so... It was um, it was actually quite a good time to sort of latch onto it because there was a an added interest because there was not really, you know, the first team weren't doing that well, so people were looking to the academy for sort of some shining light, I guess. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was sort of the way it's, it all kicked off and and ended up just sort of continuing that on really, and here we are three years later, and I'm I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, Premier League. <laughs> Don't first know if you sound happy the... about that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd be well, promoted by now. Well, to be fair, um, obviously we've had Phil and then and then Graham um, as chief football writer. But the first time Graham went to cover the under twenty threes in my absence, I think they got beat seven nil by Derby. So I, <laughs> I said to him, him. I'm "Doing it again?" Yeah, exactly. So I was like, "Right, I'll just I'll just suck it up and do it from now on." Because clearly um, you're a bad omen. Yeah. And how how did you get into journalism? Like, how did you end up in this world? Um, it's a good question. I really thought about it. Um, I mean, into it. yeah. Well, I, I, to be honest, there is a bit of imposter syndrome. Like, I do look at myself and go, "Like, wow, the heck has this happened? What are you doing?" You know. And sometimes I'm sat writing things. And I'm like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. What am I? You know, that kind of thing. Um, 
but I went to I went to university like a lot of people with the hopes of studying sports journalism. Um, so I did that at Leeds Trinity uh, from Leeds initially, as you can probably all tell from my tweets. It's very biased, but what, you know, who cares? It's local it's all journalism. All good with exactly. us, mate. All good with if us. You can't, if you can't be biased in local journalism, then you can't be biased in journalism. <laughs> can you? So yeah. Um, yeah, I went to to Leeds Trinity. Um, studied for three years there. Um, did all the things that students do. Went out in town, partied, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but Somehow managed to come out with a degree, um, exited uni. Sorry, I'm trying to rapid, rapidly because sort of, I don't want to bore you all to death because you know, <laughs> this is literally the first time I've ever spoken about myself. It's really weird. You, <laughs> you're always asking questions. but um, So I graduated from uni and was sort of freelancing for people like Sky Sports, um, Fox Soccer in America, um, when oh, wow. like obviously with the time difference, I was basically running the website when they were asleep, which was probably the best for everyone involved. <laughs> um, and then I was sort of finding I wasn't really getting interviews. Um, so I looked to try and volunteer, at, as, as a lot of people do coming out of uni at sort of local clubs like Geisley, Harrogate, but everyone was sort of filled. And there was an opportunity for me to move up to Scotland for sort of like six, seven months um, right. with family. Um, this is 20, it was talking start of 2016. So I moved up there and weirdly joined um, a Scottish Football League Two side, East Fife, which is why people oh, nice. like see me tweeting about East Fife every now and then and go, what the heck are you on about? <laughs> um, so basically, long story short, joined them as like media officer. They had nothing in place. They had no structure. They didn't, you know, they were games were going on and they weren't tweeting, for example. The match reports right. weren't going on. They, they would play on Saturday at three o'clock and the match reports wouldn't go on until like Monday morning. It was, it was so so basically went in there, wrote for the programme, did all that stuff. Um, and the manager at the time, people might remember, it was um, Gary Naismith, used to play for Everton. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, was at Sheffield United for a bit, Scotland International. So he was the manager um, and he was sort of welcoming to like the, you know, the, the coverage because, you know, there was basically none at the time. There was only the paper, and that was a weekly paper up there, East Fife Mail. So did that, and um, long story short, I joined, and they were fifth, and ended up winning the league, um, which was like an incredible story to cover because obviously, for my first sort of, I mean, it was on a volunteer basis, and it was only really part time, but for it, for it to sort of unfold like that, you know, like an achievement for yeah. a football club. Um, where they've only won like I think it's three or four divisions in the history. <laughs> I just kind of picked the six seven months to be there when they won the division, which was pretty crazy. But they had a really nice. good team. Um, they had Kevin Smith, who was actually in the Leeds United Academy at one point with like Aaron Lennon and people like that. Oh wow! I may very vaguely remember him, but he he was sort of under Lucy Ward's stewardship because he'd moved down from Scotland, and so that was good fun. And um, basically finished there. Um, long story short. Um, and then got a job with a golf magazine based in Leeds, um, which was a bit of a left field turn, but it was a way to get into journalism for me, um, just on a full time basis, getting paid to write about sport. Really, I like my golf; um, it's in my sort of top five sports, so I was more than happy. Sort of took, did that for a couple of years, and then I guess got lucky and got the job at the Evening Post. Basically, that's that. Oh, nice. And that's yeah. I mean, I'm still a bit baffled at how I'm. Mate, I, I, yeah. To be honest, so. I'm not going to lie, mate. You sound like you're a good omen. You were with that team yeah. and they wouldn't leave. Yeah. You've joined yeah. Leeds and Bielsa's come along. We've won the championship. We're now flying. I mean, thank you. Under 23s <laughs> might win PL2 as well, so you can keep keep, keep yeah. riding, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, they did. I mean, they won in the first full season, they won the Professional Development League as well, didn't they? Yeah. So was, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, to be honest, I thought my luck had run out when, when Leeds got beat against Derby in the playoffs. I thought <laughs> it's all downhill from here now, so. 
But it's been, yeah, it's been a pretty good ride so far, to be fair. Yeah, nice. Make sure you add all those to your CV as well. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to hear your your story into journalism versus. Um, do you know Do you know Tom Hill, the under twenty three commentator we had on the other week? Yeah, his, I do know Tom. And his story of getting into commentary, which was to write into Leeds to say that people <laughs> yeah. were pronouncing the names wrong and ended up as a commentator. So you took a proper route and he winged it. No offence, Tom. Yeah. No, if Tom's listening, absolutely. He, did not. he doesn't deserve that job for a start. So. No, Tom's a great guy. Um, he did a fantastic job. And, and to be fair, it's no mean feat trying to commentate on your own on 23's game sometimes, which happens on a Monday afternoon. So I thought yeah. to him for that because I'd sit there and I'd just panic. Um, obviously, he knows his stuff and he, he does really well. But yeah. No, um, well, I think anyone takes that, just just take your chances, I guess. And, and you know, if you want to throw a Hail Mary pass, you go for it and send a, send that letter or yeah. email or whatever and, and see what happens. Because unless you go out and um, sort of try and earn it, it's, it's quite a hard industry to sort of get into. Yeah, it's exactly what he said. And um, he, yeah. was, he was top-notch on here, wasn't he, lads? So, he so, was. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's his, it's his fault you're here in many ways because he recommended talking to even though <laughs> I think all of us pretty much follow you on Twitter anyway as part of the Leeds yeah. United blue tick um, yeah, element he, he, he dropped me a text and just said I've landed you in it I was like oh here we go <laughs> <laughs> so, and now, now here we are so. with these unprofessional jokers <laughs> yeah. and your Friday evening with us I think one question well I've got a two part question really and I, I wanted to, to sort of pick your brains on it because we um We've been syndicating this just for five weeks now and we've seen, obviously, we've been wanting to do it since the start of the season for various various reasons it was delayed. And we've seen a real appetite for content. People want to talk about the under-23s. This podcast specifically focuses on the youth development across the younger squads. And I guess I kind of, I wanted to ask you, what about that um, step up in interest or that ramp up in kind of, uh, a kind of um, appetite for content have you seen personally from either in the Yorkshire of your post or through your private Twitter account, where, where are you seeing people lean towards? Is it people wanting to know more about player profiles? Is it people wanting to understand when the fixtures are, how to attend games? Maybe obviously not with COVID, but what are you finding about that element um, that's changed since the BLS has come in? And then um, I guess I've got a follow-up question about legacy as well, which I can ask you after. Yeah, um, I think since Marcelo came in, there's there's been a huge interest just because of the way that he treats the under-23s with the fact that there is a genuine pathway there. People, if they play well, if they train well, um, will get you know a shot, whether it's in first-team training. We might not see that, but you know the... And you'll see first team players drop down on a, on a regular basis. And there are a lot of there are a lot of academies up and down the country that don't treat their under twenty three side like that. They're sort of just there to fill space. They have players there on on sort of yearly contracts that are just sort of flowing from club to club. But the well, it's I mean, it's as close as you'll get to a reserve team, isn't it, for for Marcelo? And that's why it's yeah. been so good to watch because there is a genuine interest. Because I mean, I remember what I think it was, I think it was the. But when Patrick Bamford came back from his knee injury um, initially in the championship, I think it was, what, was that, two seasons ago now, um, yeah. playing up at Newcastle and Izzy Brown was playing as well and the club weren't streaming it and I was doing, sort of, it was a Friday night I think and it was it was freezing cold and it was one of those where you sat there and waiting for the team sheet and thinking, why am I doing this? I've driven <laughs> two hours on a Friday night to cover the academy. See the team sheet, it's suddenly like, oh, this is, you know, this is why Patrick Mumford's playing, he's around playing. And then you look at the sort of website and the blog, and it was, I think we did, 
I think it must have been like nearly 30,000 hits that night just on the blog. And I was like, well, fans are mental, you know. Um, <laughs> but they, they just want to know how Patrick Bamford's recovering. But also, there's a lot of thirst for the fact that, all right, there's a lot of people going to that blog for, for Patrick Bamford. But then there's a, as many people wanting to know who Niall Huggins is at the same time because does he have a chance of coming through? So yeah. there's just that starvation. And I think the fact that, you know, Leeds has a historic, well, a really good history of bringing players through, that there's always going to be that sort of, you know, who's the next big star? Where are they coming from? What position mm. at first team level needs filling? Have we got anyone coming through it? at Thorpe Arch that might be able to sort of help, you know. I mean, I know I listened to your podcast last week and you talking about sort of Cody Drammy being a long-term successor to, to Luke Galen. And that's exactly what people want to know. Can this, is this lad the genuine thing? Is he, is he going to be able to do it? Leeds have tied him down to a decent contract. So people want to know if he's got the ability because, okay, in professional football, people like to try and protect youngsters but at the same time, you know, it's an unforgiving place. They need to start proving themselves straight away. That's how it is. So, yeah, I think initially, um, to go back to your question, because I've harped on a little bit, but I think <laughs> the, pl- the player profiles are massive for us. You know, people want to know who-, who they are, where they're coming from, what position they play, or and especially under Bielsa, because everyone has to play two positions. You know, there's, mm. there's like Greenwood at the moment going through that phase and of, of learning to play as an attacking midfielder or a number 10, maybe, maybe even a little bit deeper at times. Um, so people want to know which positions they can play, who they are, where they've come from, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, especially when they're signing for seven figures these days, gives exactly, even more yeah. interest, on it? Yeah, I think the the accessibility is also critical. We were to, we were picking Tom's brains about that, um, not to mention Tom again, but you know, he, he, with the LUTV stuff, because I was watching. Normally, I just um, stream via the app, and you know, I, I'm kind of looking at the the game and watching like a fan, like we all are, and kind of making some notes for this weekly podcast to look at the players, who can we profile, what's going on, how we're playing, who's performing, and we've spoke about that versatility um, in in the broadcasting because you've got the Twitter account, obviously the, the YouTube, it's live streamed, and I was I switched and I didn't watch it on the app last the last game. I watched it via the YouTube channel. I was kind of in the comments and sort of seeing what was going on. Mainly, it was a, some grumpy Leicester City fans that were in there. <laughs> um, but there was, a, a, a for me, a, a crazy thing going on with the viewing figures. It just didn't stop increasing. I made notes. It was 5K, 5.6K, 6K, 6.2K. And at the, at the peak, just before half time, before I switched back to the app because the stream was playing up, we were on 7,000 viewers. And that's just on one platform for a mon- mid-Monday lunchtime under-23s game. And I know you could argue that some people are at home due to the horrible circumstances with COVID and people have got working from home on their side. But one question I wanted to ask you is, what do you see the legacy being? Do you see when eventually Marcelo has to you know, move on or he chooses to move on? With the youth side of things, do we see the legacy being that they will keep this renewed interest, that there will still be this massive fan base of the under-23s? Or do you see it more that the legacy might come in terms of philosophy and style of play? Um, what do you think is your opinion on the, the larger sort of view is that Bielsa has, has sort of implemented this style of play right the way down. So I think that there's been a bit of a reset at Thorpe Arch in the last few years um, and a bit of a rethink about how they approach the academy. And we're seeing that now with the fact that they've invested in getting to Category 1 status. Um, and then you see the way that they've sort of... I suppose this this season that they're having at the moment, which is, is fantastic to watch, you know, you're seeing all the youngsters score lots of goals. But 
I think the ultimate aim is to get to a, the highest possible level, so you're competing at the highest possible level, so that you can attract the big, you know, the the best youngsters in the country to your academy. You want to be playing the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man U, just at academy level. So I think the the larger legacy of Bielsa's initial impact is is pretty long term. In that this is here to stay. I think the way that they've. As I think Tom mentioned it last week, to mention him again, should get like a Tom Bell or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, in the swear jar. Yeah, exactly. But like the way that you can't really, you can judge them, but the professional development league is is miles away from the level they're playing at now, for example, and would be touch wood if they get promoted and go to the first division of the Premier League two would be an absolute mile away from that. And it can't be, you know, it can't be overstated how important it is to have your players at first team level for start. If Bielsa stays for another year or two, playing at a better level, you know, that's not just running out for thirty minutes and playing on a on a cloud field at Crew Alexandra on a Monday afternoon in the best <laughs> possible sense. Because we've seen, right, Samu Saez was playing in that game and it was completely pointless for him. But then you see Tyler Roberts sort of play against you know better academies this year. So. I think, honestly, I think it's long-term. I think the commitment that the club have shown by investing into the academy has been brilliant. I think the way that Mark Jackson's dealing with bringing the under-18s through at the moment um, has been a huge step this year as well. So I don't, mm. I don't see anything but positives. And, and I think you can't... I don't think you can say it's anything other than long-term because the way they've invested... I think Bielsa's sort of come in. Maybe it's been accelerated a little bit more. But I think Victor Orta's always had sort of an eye on developing the academy because you want to see them look closer to home initially to see if you can. I mean, fans love big signings. We all want to see £50 million signings. But if Joe Gellhart turns out to be uh, what we all think he might be in three, four years, getting him for like nearly a million pounds or less than a million pounds initially from Wigan is a yeah. shrewd of business. All right, it's because of circumstance at Wigan, but he had plenty of choices and places to go. So I think the long-term view is that that they want to make Thorpe Arch sort of just a production line of talent for choice. Obviously, we all know with the competitive nature of football that not everyone's going to make it at Leeds in the academy. It's only natural because of places. But yeah. if you can pick out the best of that talent coming through, then that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we all love a 50 million signing, don't we? But we also all love a Calvin. Yeah. Yeah, you well. mentioned um, the, the, the kind of the production line at the Thorpe Arch. Outside of the obvious ones, which one do you think is going to be the guy that's going to make it into the first team? Like you've obviously got the Greenwoods and Gellharts that are probably going to get a chance at least. But is there any sort of outside bets you'd put them some money on? Um, it's difficult because obviously your mind would naturally go towards um, the obvious ones. But I mean, I'm a huge fan of Bobby Camwell, but he's just had such problems with injury um, that mm. we just want to see him get a sort of consistent run because. He's sort of been someone who, since I joined him and sort of Charlie Creswell, I when I first joined, I went to cover the under-18s. They were playing like a, a playoff game. I think it was against Charlton at, at Thorpe Arch. And, you know, I was asking people who'd watched them all season, you know, who, who were they like? Because I'd never, I'd not seen any of the lads before just to, to ask about who was sort of the next best thing. And, and at 16, Charlie Cresswell, everyone was saying to me, watch Charlie Cresswell. He reads it yeah. so well and he's 16. Then he was, you know, he was a tower at that point. And I'm, he's 16. I mean, I'm quite a short lad and he was double as me. And I'm like, wow, you know. <laughs> and you see him coming through now at the moment and you just got to be patient with these kids um, mm. at times. And he's, I mean, what's he, 18, 19 now? He's, he's, he's sort of touching on being a first team squad member, sort of not regularly, but, you know, when, when there's spots there. So, 
I think Bobby Cumber, Charlie Cresswell, um, I suppose Cresswell's probably an obvious one, so I've sort of fallen into the trap there. <laughs> I'm always I'm a big fan of Niall Huggins. He's sort of yeah. always yeah. under the radar. Um maybe because of the so called big names that they've signed this summer. But I think he's got I mean, if he he needs to improve his shooting a little bit, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there's one goal this year. But he's, he, last week, fair, he scored last <laughs> week, yeah. But he's someone who's um who's really, really good and, and he's the kind of he's I suppose the, he sort of plays left back, doesn't he? But he, he's he's probably most in terms of stature and, and sort of quickness and zippiness. He's probably most compared to like someone like Shackleton, the way that he moves about mm. the pitch. And having that from left back is is crucial. And he, he loves to get forward into the box, and he all he always gets in great positions. Um, and that's the big thing, I think. As long as you're getting in positions, you know, eventually it'll sort of bear fruit for him. So Dal Huggins is certainly someone to watch who maybe doesn't always get the sort of plaudits who, yeah. um, away from sort of the, the bigger lads. Yeah. It's interesting nice. because we did um, well. We did uh, one of the first one. Was it the third one we did? Was on Creswell, who I yes. absolutely love because um, I think he's <laughs> going to be an absolute sensation. I hope. Not to put too much pressure on him. Um, and uh, you mentioned there about Niall Huggins. We put out, uh, well, I put out a poll yesterday about who people would want us to cover next. And Niall Huggins has blown that poll out of the water. And I, th- I don't know whether yeah. that's to do with him scoring last week. But even before that, I think a lot of people have been talking about him um, as having the potential to come through. I think maybe because we have so many challenges in the first team at, at left back at the moment, as much as Alioski's doing a decent job. Dallas is sort of better there, but playing a different position. Um, I think people are really crying out for a proper left back to break through, and Leif Davis is sort of feels closer to the first team, but also less likely to play. I'm not sure what's happening with him, but it's yeah. interesting. You mentioned as well about um, Bielsa and the impact he's had. But I'm so glad, and I'm I'm a bit biased because I love the man. But you mentioned Jacko, yeah. you know Matt Jackson and the job he's done. It's easy to give credit to Bielsa for the way they're all playing. But Jacko's the one who has to bring it all together and make them play together, pick the team, deal with the chopping and changing of needing to put in the first team players. Um, and I think he's done a sensational job this year. But I agree with you. That step up in level, if they go up, is going to be so goddamn hard because the academies at that Division 1 are just another level, aren't they? Yeah, yeah Black, Blackburn is a It's weird. They're in a situation where they're picking. They're already the, the where Leeds want to be. They're picking out the best talent that they can, and they've invested very heavily in it. So they've got squads that you're looking at, going, Oof. you know, where are they weak? Nowhere, you know, that kind of thing. And like you say, I mean, you'll see. I mean, you do wonder if you'll you'll start seeing more managers utilise the sort of under twenty threes as Bielsa has done. I mean, we're not particularly seen it on a regular basis so far. Maybe at this level, but I'm not sure. Sort of consistently in in the level above how how much that's done for. I mean, we saw like I mean, for example, when Danny Drinkwater went viral a few weeks ago. It's a bit different, you know, if you yeah. threw a 17 year old at Spurs or whatever. But yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> what, what what are the main differences between working with Phil and Graham? And if you would be, uh, <laughs> if you want to go as far as say which one you prefer to work with, obviously you don't have to. Uh, what are the main differences? Graham's a lot more arsy. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy That's Graham's sure. incredibly dry sense of humour. Yeah, no, th- to be honest, th- it's, this is like a proper football answer um but like they're both great in their own way um yeah and i think that's the big thing that graham did when he, he initially came in because obviously we all know leeds fans and social media and, and everything that that brings it, it's a sort of sink or swim for him 
Uh, yeah, that was a hell of a job initially. to take on. Yeah. And he's done a good job in sort of making sure that he, not not copied Phil, but he's, he's made himself slightly different whilst obviously understanding the legacy that Phil leaves in the sort of Yorkshire Evening Post void when he left. So yeah, um, I love both of them in their own way, um, you know, so, I mean, I don't, I couldn't pick between them, to be honest. No, that's fair. I, I, I joke, know, a cruel joke, question, that, Ross. I, I, yeah, I joke quite a lot, saying that one's like my dad and one's like my new stepdad. So, <laughs> it's, it's one of them. But, so, yeah. which one do you Who's asked you to go to on weekends? <laughs> yeah. Two, well, two that's it. I mean, brilliant. yeah, the two Christmas dinners every year. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask you, though, who wins that fight between Stan Collymore and Graham? <laughs> Graham's from Northern Ireland, so Graham. Yeah, that's my Graham. answer every time too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess with the Northern Irish man. Never. No, we, we, we can start calling him Leeds-born Graham Smith, though, can't we? Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> We've just Alice. adopted everyone from Northern Ireland. Yeah. He's from the same part of same part of Holbeck as Dallas, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to ask Joe because obviously this week's um, player profile. We do a player profile every week. Um, we're doing Joe Gallat. We kind of wanted to do it because we've got the two Joes, yourself and him. Um, and I just wondered what your your opinions are of that man since he's joined. Yeah, obviously, um, he. I mean, Leeds fans have hyped hyped him up a fair bit. I think the I think they played Stoke on the opening day, and that was his his debut. And I think they got beat four 0 but he was probably man of the match, which says everything about initially when he came in. Um, yeah. Wigan, I think Wigan, the paper in Wigan is actually one of our sister papers. So I was speaking to the writer over there about him and coming through and, and how that is. And I actually gave um, Gregor Reich, and I apologise if I've pronounced his second name wrong. <laughs> um, but I gave, he's the academy, he, he, he's the academy director at Wigan who sort of had a huge development role in, in him bringing him through. Because he, he, he joined there at 10 and all you heard was like, he's next Wayne Rooney. He scored 10 goals against Huddersfield in an academy game. But you want to sort of get a bit deeper than that and try and understand like what it like. It's obviously saying, someone saying he's compared to Wayne Rooney is a great headline, but you actually want to know sort of like who who he is, what's happening. And, and yeah. the, the Rooney comparisons, you can see when he carries the ball. And the, the most thing that strikes me so far is that he doesn't even feel like he's flipped out of his, his sort of, second or first or second gear yet at Leeds you're seeing him on a weekly basis still getting sort of integrated into the team even this long and it still feels like but he's starting to sort of strike up a, a decent partnership with with Greenwood and you can already see that he's, he's had a little bit of football league action and I think Leeds are just being pretty sort of coy with him because they need to make sure that they don't rush him too quickly because I think also with the fans expectations of him uh, yeah. and the way that people have hyped him up a lot probably myself slightly guilty of that um, because sometimes I do sit and tweet about the under-23s and think, like, you you almost forget, like, there are people actually reading the tweets at times, <laughs> you know, so, but I, I've been mightily impressed. I've always said, I keep saying to Graham, he's literally like that kid at school that you pass to and he just runs around 10 players and then round the left back again just for a laugh and then sticks in the top corner and that's, that's how he looks at the moment in the academy. So, Again, having just said not to hype him up, I think he might be <laughs> a fairly special player in the in the near future. Yeah, he was all over um, Sunderland last week. I mean, I don't suppose yeah. I'm sure he works. No one's come out from the club, but any understanding of why he kind of seemed to disappear? He wasn't. He didn't play against Crawley. He wasn't playing for the under 23s. Do we know if he was ill or? It was match days 12 to 16 for the under 23s. He just wasn't in the squads, was he? he was just all right, nerd. Head. <laughs> <laughs> Statistician these days, cookie. <laughs> 
Um, You're coming think... up with some in-depth knowledge each week. I need to step my game up. <laughs> I think he had an injury and then was absent for other reasons. Everyone else can make their own mind up with yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I think seeing him back, obviously, you want to see him on a consistent basis, don't you, as, as much as possible. Um, and like I mentioned, I, I think he played, what, 18 times in his breakout season at Wigan and, and scored against Hull and things like that. So I think he's really exciting. I think someone who we should all be excited about but understand that he's got a bit of time to sort of develop into this this system. Yeah, a lot of pressure on young shoulders, isn't there? He's only 18. Well, yeah, yeah, and the biggest shame about, and this is me being slightly selfish, in that I've only I've only watched him once in the flesh since he joined Leeds because obviously with all the restrictions, yeah. I went to Blackpool in the EFL Trophy and he didn't have the greatest night that night, but I think in general they didn't have a great night, um, no. which was a shame because they didn't really show. That was the first time in the EFL Trophy of the season where they put like a really strong side out. It felt like you know they could have a proper go, and they conceded really early, which sort of knocked their confidence quite a lot. But I mean, he had the best chance in that game. I think he got one on one, and it's just that little bit of composure, that little bit of development, and that that sort of just growing up that I think we'll probably see him I think what is he still 18 early 19 yeah, or yeah. been 19 yeah and I think you'll see him still fill out in the next few years and you can see him already he just jumps around people and shrugs people off the ball you were yeah, all over yeah. Sunderland weren't they the amount of times yeah, yeah. he just walked around them superb yeah there we go we are out of time unfortunately um, do you want to pimp your socials or where people can find your writing um, no because I don't want any of my- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> All right. I'm Joe Work at YUP or Joe Work underscore, I think I am these days. Brilliant. God, Thank you, you like to use an underscore. What's that about? Well, I got rid of YUP in case I got sacked because I wanted to keep, <laughs> I wanted to keep my blue tick. So. <laughs> that was just being it. brutally honest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Cookie. Thank you, Rob. Uh, thank we'll you very back. much later in the week with another podcast um, all about the youth team so until then uh, see ya most of our stats come from LUFC stats or LUFC data on Twitter a very special thanks to Barney Stewart Cooper Ewan and Howard Metcalf Josh Pearson Laura Leon and Rob The Light Show and all our family and friends